What is up, you people who are not tied to a zip code? I have today with me someone who's super cool that I met on the interwebs. And gosh, I, I, sometimes you just, you find someone who is singing your song. They are saying the same things you believed and you didn't know it, that, that someone else thought and felt the same way. And when you do, you need to connect. You, I'm, I'm telling you, you need to connect. That's what I did here. I met up, uh, connected with an awesome, awesome dude. His name is Hayden Humphrey. And the moment that we began to talk, I'm like, I'm, I, I pulled the cap off the pen because this guy has some golden stuff. And I'm like, Hayden, stop, 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 stop. I got to share this goodness. And so I wanted to bring him right here on the Sell Anywhere podcast. You guys who are selling, you're leading, you're doing things, you are innovating because COVID has is, is, is brought on really the, the age of the innovators. And some of you are doing what you see me doing or other people doing. You're creating online content, you're creating courses, you're doing, listen, I got the guy who is gonna break it down for you. So Hayden, this is a Sell Anywhere podcast. Before we get into anything, brother, before you tell us who you are, tell us where you're at, man. Johnny, so good to be here. And thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Um, and I'm in a lot of different places right now. Uh, I mostly work as a coach, one-to-one -one coach, working with folks who are in career transition, looking for that next step and that next experience that's more authentic to who they are. Um, but outside of that, I would consider myself an uplifter, uplifter of people, uplifter of ideas, um, uplifter of life. So mostly working with folks, like I mentioned, one-to-one -one capacity, but also work with folks through a couple different groups and programs that I'm running, create a lot of content online, uh, like to run workshops, facilitate group experiences, both for organizations and for individuals. But really everything that I do boils down to this concept of living an unscripted life. What does it mean to get clear on the scripts that are running you, running the show that you picked up when you were a kid? And how do we break those up so that you can actually be in the driver's seat and create your own life in the way that you see fit? Come on, life unscripted. We're going to break into that in a second. But like I literally meant where are you physically at because it's still anywhere. So are, are, are we in an underground bunker somewhere? Are we in a home office? Are you um, at the top of the, out of the Twin Towers there? Where are you at? I'm in Chicago currently, not an underground bunker. I moved. I was there for about a year and a half, but I moved to Chicago. No, just kidding. I'm in Chicago. I'm in the uptown area. I've been here for about three and a half years. Was in San Francisco before that. Then I'm from Ohio originally. So currently in Chicago. Chi Town. And he is advertising uh, very, very uh, nicely behind. Yes. Oh, nice, nice poster you got there. So you know, thank you. Talk to us, talk to us about the unscripted life because, and, and maybe even how you got there. So I think there's, there might be a personal side to that. And then like mm -hmm. what, you're, what you're doing professionally, because Hayden, a lot of us are doing what we feel like we have to do. And it was written, like it's, it was, uh, it was decided by someone before we got there. And it's kind of like the religion of the Mandalorians. This is the way, right? And, um, and we just, we follow the way without question. Was there breaking out? Like, I, like, I don't know, give me, 
open our eyes to this unscripted life and, and what it was for you and, and, and how you're seeing this in others. Totally. Well, I mean, I think the thing that I'll share at like at the highest level is so much of how we decide to build our lives is based in who we believe we are as people. Mm. It's based in identity and it's based in our core beliefs and our core narratives about our place in the world, who we're supposed to be, what it means to live a successful life. And the thing that you have to understand is that all of those things for most people were given to you at a much younger age. So those were all things that when you looked around at your family system, when you looked around at your community, when you looked around at your friends and other people that you had in your life, you took cues from them that taught you who you were, your place in the world, what it means to be successful, et cetera. It wasn't a conscious intentional choice on your end. Most of those things were given to you. So most of us, most people are living based on those scripts, the scripts that they were given when they were much, much younger. And that's fine for some people. That's great. They find happiness. It works for them. But I would say that for most of us, we realize after a time that the scripts that we were given are not actually aligned with who we are mm. as people. They keep us from really expressing our true authentic selves. And so this whole process of unscripting is starting to understand what were those parts of my identity or my worldview that were given to me that are not, aren't actually authentic or true to who I believe myself to be and who I am at the core. And how do I start to break those up and practice something different so that more and more, the things that I bring into my life and the way that I create my life is authentic and true to me. Feels good, feels aligned, feels like I just get to be me instead of performing or trying to be something that I'm not. And for me, it was a series of experiences. Uh, I mean, it was everything from the internship that I had when I was in college, <clears throat> you know, this thing that I thought was going to be the end goal. I'd made it big four professional services firm in New York, was there for about six weeks and realized this is incredibly boring. And I do not want to do this <laughs> for any more time after school, which was a huge paradigm shift because up to that point, that's what I thought success actually looked like. So I graduate, go out and get a job at a startup instead because I thought that was more aligned with what I wanted was only there for about eight months, wasn't a good culture fit. Again, a bit of a paradigm shift. I'm gonna leave this job after eight months, which was a big no-no from a corporate perspective. Get a job at LinkedIn, awesome brand name company, super great. Doing that in San Francisco, moved to Chicago for a business development role, a sales role, um, and was in that sales role for about eight months before I realized this is not at all what I wanna be doing. Mostly came from me missing uh, a quota one month in the beginning of 2017. It kicked off this whole slew of realizations around how I'd been deriving my sense of self-worth and identity from my resume and my professional achievements. And basically had been making all of my decisions around how do I look and seem as impressive as possible versus what actually feels exciting and true and authentic and fun for me. So I took that uh, as an opportunity to leave, jumped into being self-employed. And man, it's been like those experiences on the regular every two to three months. And I think you would, uh, I'm sure you've had a very similar experience in starting a business. Um, you know, entrepreneurship and business ownership, you know, so much of it is the inner work. It's the mindset work. 
It's getting clear on what are the beliefs and the mindset uh, pieces that I have that are getting in the way of me being successful. Um, and so, I mean, it's been everything from starting different businesses. I ran a photography business for a while, which was cool. Learned a lot about myself there. Started this coaching business. Have learned a ton about myself through this coaching business. Um, I have gotten involved in a bunch of healing modalities. I've done therapy. I uh, went to Costa Rica last year. I did an ayahuasca retreat for nine days. Um, which was incredible, incredible experience. Um, so all that to say, especially in the last three years, I've had a lot of those experiences that have helped me realize where am I living by these scripts? Mm. Where do I not want to do that anymore? And how do I intentionally practice doing something different? And so that's really where I'm at right now is building my own blueprint, getting clear on what that authentic purpose is and that authentic sense of self is and starting to move forward with that. Versus doing what I think I should be doing. Dude, that is, um, that is, so there, there are some things that you hit on and this is, see, I, those who were listening understand why I would be talking to you. Um, I, I, I love the idea, like there, you, you even give it, you create a verb out of unscripting. So there's scripting, but there's also unscripting, which sounds like uh, a, a process. And by the way, I, mm -hmm. I have found, so for, uh, for years of my life, I was a sales trainer, oh, sales guy, then sales trainer, manager, whatever. And then, um, and then for years after that, I've, you know, been a, been a coach and a lot of that with salespeople, not all of it. And um, for a while, you'll appreciate this as a curriculum guy. For a while, it was me taking um, how can I, how can I take this and get it into your pea brain? So you'll, you'll show up and you'll recite these lines because these are the magic lines that work. And, and what I found was, is, is, is you can, you can get people to memorize things. I literally like in, in, in one of my positions would say, you need to read this out loud a hundred times out loud. And there's value to that, but, um, but there's more value in helping someone connect with the script that's that's inside of them that if something doesn't feel natural they're always going to reject it somewhere down the line so the point is is that like if you're doing something that's fake fake it till you make it does it doesn't work be authentic and from that place that's what's going to help you to connect with the people that you want to serve anyway um, Hayden, you describe yourself as a recovering people pleaser. Talk to me because like, I'm I like, I feel some, there's some vibes that I can, I'm, I'm connecting with. Can you tell us what that, what do you mean by that? Totally. So, you know, <laughs> it's been really interesting. A lot of the work that I've been doing recently has been around people pleasing, distinguishing what it looks like for people, where people run into it, how it comes up and how it runs so much of your life. And a lot of that content has come from my own personal experience um, because I grew up in a family where my job was to be the mediator. So my job was to be as uh, small as possible to be able to read the dynamics of, of a situation and to be able to uh, intentionally uh, act and bring energy in a way that it kept the harmony um, of the 
situation. So like from the beginning, I was, I grew up as a people pleaser. Like that ended up being, you know, when we talk about scripts, like that was one of the scripts that I was given is like, your, this is your job. Your job is to be small. Your job is to make other people happy. Your job is to bring the levity and the silliness and the whimsy and everything like that. And when you learn that in your family dynamics at a young age, you basically have no choice but to bring that into the rest of what you're doing. So mm-hmm you know, that was the way that I learned to belong. That was the way that I learned to get love. That was the way that I learned to get attention. And I just doubled down on that when I got into high school, when I got into college, you know, even after college, um, that was my winning strategy was work really hard and be nice to everyone. And you'll, and you'll get what I want, or you'll get, I'll get what I want. And what I started to realize after a time, especially in business is that doesn't work. That, is, that has a very limited runway and very limited effectiveness. And so what I've now had to do in the last couple of years that I've been doing this coaching work and this healing work is starting to look at where am I letting people pleasing run the show, which I would define as an unhealthy focus on others before self. So how do I, how, how do I get responsible for the areas in which that's the thing that's running the show and start to look at what's a healthier approach here? How do I set boundaries in a way that is kind and the way that it is in service of me? How do I say no powerfully? How do I share and be authentic in the way that I'm communicating and letting people know what I'm feeling, how it's going, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I sort of feel like I'm in recovery from having uh, you know, pretty much the entirety of my life leading up to this point, um, run a lot of my decisions and uh, acted from a place of wanting to please other people instead of being my most you know, powerful self. That is so good. Do you have do you have a lot of people that reach out to you? That's a tag uh, part of your uh, tagline on LinkedIn. Do a lot of people make comments about that? Do you find? Oh yeah, it's so funny. It's been one of those things that I was like, you know what, I'm gonna throw this on because this feels authentic to me, and you know, I don't, you know, it feels like it would be a fun thing to put on. I get comments on it all the time, and people are like, I just had someone reach out to me the other day, and she's like, I was just talking with my partner the other day about your headline, so I was like, okay, interesting. Like a lot of people resonate with, um, resonate with, uh, you know, this particular set of behaviors. Um, it's, it's something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Uh, well, what would what would you tell someone? Um, so in sales and selling, you've you've been in that world. Um, a, a lot of people will enter that world, and they're either going to. Um, a lo- so one of the things I did was I just basically surrendered that identity, became inauthentic, and just became the hard charging. Uh, raw meat eating, you know, uh, champion warrior, do, like all of that. And by the mm-hmm. way, it was that that's not, that's not good either. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what would what would you tell someone? How can someone live in harmony with with that version of themselves and not not the unhealthy part, but how can they live in harmony and create new relationships and serve those relationships in, in the world of sales and selling? Yeah, well, I think it's first, so I think the first piece is the understanding that the the set of behaviors of people pleasing in and of itself is not a bad thing. Like it, to me, actually represents a wanting and a desire to be kind and serve others and create positivity and optimism, which I think is actually a really good thing. 
And I think for a lot of people that struggle with people pleasing, that's just an innate part of who they are, wanting other people to be happy, wanting to serve other people, wanting to bring positivity to others. I think that's great. So part of the first step in that is acknowledging that like, hey, this isn't all a bad thing. Like this is actually a really um, cool quality to have. And this can actually be a really powerful thing for me to bring because that's what everyone's looking for. Everyone's looking for optimism. Everyone's looking for connection. Everyone's looking for you know intimacy and people who can bring that kind of positive energy. Great thing. But it's also understanding that there are limitations to that especially when it gets in the way of you being direct and powerful and authentic, and specifically within a sales conversation, when it gets in the way of you either um, saying the thing that needs to be said in service of the client, uh, or even walking away if the situation uh, or if the uh, understanding or the relationship isn't actually going to be in service of you or that particular client. Like I noticed for myself from a sales perspective, you know, how people pleasing shows up for me is not being willing to handle objections at the end of a, at the end of a call. So I'll make the pitch, I'll make the ask, and then they'll come back with objections and I'll be like, okay, that's fine. We'll get back to me whenever, <laughs> which is just because I'm scared. I'm just afraid of upsetting them by asking to address the objections, you know, that they've, um, that they've brought, uh, or one of the other ways that it shows up is I'll work with people who aren't a good fit for me. I'll work with people who want to give me money and who are really actively looking to buy my services and products. Even when I know in the back of my head that I'm like, this is not going to work. This isn't a good fit. You know, this just personality wise is not going to be a good fit for me and this person, but I have trouble saying no. And so I'll let them hire me. And that's not actually in service of them. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I would say from like a people pleasing perspective, acknowledge that it's a great skill set to have, but also acknowledge that there are limitations to it um, and be responsible for where it gets in the way of you providing value um, in a way that is of service to you and also the person that you're selling to. I love that. That's, that's very, uh, very good advice. I don't, I don't remember if I shared this with you. This is, this was, um, this is a reminder and for those that can't see so this is there was there was a for many years of my life i i actually chose the um the identity of like oh i'm the there was something to do with a warrior right i am the guy that goes into battle i'm no warrior and then and i realized that that wasn't where where i really was my best i'm at my best when i'm, I'm two things and this is one of them and uh do you see that joyful joyful it's Love a joyful that. joyful farmer and, and I realized that I was actually much better at prospecting when I was joyful. And another word, which uh, surfaced later, was uh, playful. Mm. So joyful and playful. And, that, uh, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm just putting that out there because, man, I totally am in, in agreement with what you're saying. It's like you've got to value yourself enough to say no, enough to realize not everyone is a fit. And that's actually okay. We don't have to derive our value from like, uh, it's not, it's not outsourced this value thing. Mm -hmm. And a part of it is, is for years, like in all of these little personality tests, Hayden, I would be like, oh, I'm like this fighter guy, or I'm like, it's like, I, I, I would, because in sales, you get rewarded for being like the, right on, on that side of the aggressive and maybe even jerky and cocky. Like there's, there's this there's this list of behaviors that we see as like the prototypical thing. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until a few years ago when I actually adopted, I'm like, no, this is actually, I'm this guy. And living like with what you were saying with my authentic, I am 
it freed me. It made me, it made me so much more powerful, but I, I love the, I love that idea of, 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 well, not just the idea, but listen, if you're, if you're the nice guy um, out there, value, be convicted that you are a 10. Yeah. And we're not looking to make other people like us. We're looking for the ones that we like. Totally. Well, it's funny too, even in what you shared around the whole warrior piece, because I had a very similar experience because I looked at my people pleasing tendencies or my wanting to be nice to everyone as a bad thing. I went to the opposite end of the spectrum because I was compensating. I was compensating for that insecurity. And so I was like, I'm going to be very direct and I'm going to be very well-spoken and I'm going to be very powerful and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's not authentic. And to your point earlier, people can tell that so easily. If you have one thing going on up in your head and, but the behavior that's coming out is different, the, the, the misalignment between those two things puts people on edge, whether it's conscious or not, people can feel that people get weird about it because you can't be trusted. You're not being true. People don't want to be around you and don't want to be in conversation and relationship with you if they feel like you're being inauthentic. So, so I think to your point, like part of this game is understanding that what's going to be most effective for, from a sales perspective, because a, a sales skill set is totally different than personality. Anyone can be a great salesperson. And the thing that makes a great salesperson is one, authenticity, um, but two, also understanding like, how do you need to show up in a way that is enrolling, that actually enrolls the person that you're speaking with in your product or service? And that can look different for other people. If your innate personality or who you are is the hard driving champion, warrior, direct, et cetera, people are gonna pick up on that authenticity and be like, okay, cool, I trust this guy. He, he's direct, but I like it. I can trust him. Um, or if it's more joyful, it's more playful. It's which I would say is probably that's my personality as well. Um, people are, are going to pick up on that as well. And you can still be an effective salesperson, but it's, it's understanding at the core, it's, you have to be in alignment and you have to be true to, to who you are, your innate personality. Dude, that is, uh, that is strong, man. You're bringing the extra hot sauce, super fire sauce. In the heat uh to that one so love it how how does this show up like i i know i'm gonna i'm gonna shift over because i know you do a lot of work with helping people connect their authenticity like their their self to to their process and uh you do a lot of coaching one-on-one and in groups and actually i i we want to dig into actually maybe even some of those structures as well but but just to stay in, in in this place like talk to me about some of the work that you that you find yourself doing um, with this as you're as you're coaching people what are the main things you're finding people are uh, having to address that you're able to kind of put into alignment for them totally so I mean I think the biggest and this is directly derived from the modality of coaching that I'm trained in which is ontological coaching and so ontology um, for those of you who aren't familiar ontology is the study or the science of being Said another way, it's where you take action from or where you do things from. And so most often, if we haven't done the work, and even if we have done the work, a lot of the times as we're going throughout the day and as we're going throughout our lives, we're choosing from one of three places. So either we're uh, afraid of something, so we're choosing from fear. We have some feelings about it 
both positive and negative, but we're choosing from this very temporary fleeting emotional state, or we're choosing from self-defense, which are these very uh, reactionary uh, automatic behaviors that we have in response to stress or anxiety. So a huge part of the work that I do with people is supporting them in becoming more aware of where they are choosing from or who they're being about the things that they're up to. And the cool part about it is it's a core conversation. So it doesn't matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about sales. We could be talking about working with clients. We could be talking about money. We talk about relationships, all of these things. You have a place where you are choosing from in response to all of these different areas. And so the more aware that you are of where you're choosing from, the more proactively you can choose an empowered way of being. Because choosing from fear and choosing from feelings typically doesn't get us what we want. Even more specifically in a sales conversation, if the way that you are showing up in a sales conversation is choosing from fear, you're afraid of them saying no, you're afraid of looking silly or stupid, you're choosing from self-defense, they say something, you get triggered and you go into this uh, unconscious automatic uh, behavioral pattern, likely isn't going to end the way that you want it to. Mm. So a huge part of my work is again, having people become aware of where they're choosing from and practicing choosing from a more empowered, conscious place. That is good. And by the way, I don't wanna say a hack, this isn't a hack, I don't really like hacks, but one way that um, I find that people pleasers can take advantage of uh, that tendency in their life is to, um, is to really focus on seeing whatever you're doing as serving someone else. So, right. Mm -hmm. So we, we have that, that, that tendency of putting others before self, which again, if you're on the Titanic, I think it's like, <laughs> like there's some nobility to that, but being able to, you know, like being able to see like the phone call or the outreach as like a way of serving someone, or even like, like when someone throws an objection of it's just backing up and in love, um, not taking that first thing that they give you, but but seeing that as a way you serve them, uh, asking them for commitment, seeing that as how you act, like this is me showing up serving you, this is me loving. So it's like, if you can rebrand some of these activities that have seemed, mm -hmm. um, I don't wanna say just aggressive or like basically seems like, 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 it's, it, like it's not in your DNA, rebranded as you showing up in love. And by the way, maybe you rework it so that it feels like that authentically. Um, but I find by the way that for, for the nice guy, that's one mm -hmm. of the, what that's, that's one of the, that's one of the keys is, is it's the language and the feeling that we associate with the action. Otherwise we're going to avoid it. It's the, I love that. It's the reframe of how do you look at all of the activities that you're doing that have historically gotten a bad rap as far as being convincing or pushy or whatever it is, trusting that the value and the service and the product that you're bringing will support them and being willing to say, no, if it won't, but if it does, being willing to handle their objections. I actually have a post-it note that I have on my um, computer that says selling is uplifting. So me, going out and having sales conversations with people mm. is part of my core purpose. Yes. It is uplifting. Yes. Because I know that the work that I do with people makes a difference. It supports them in getting more of what they want. It supports them in coming home to themselves. It supports them in them creating their own life. And from that perspective, it's actually my responsibility yes. to sell. 
It's my responsibility to go out and have these sales conversations with people. Dude, that is, uh, that is so strong. And, and again, if you, if you are someone who's found yourself in this place, um, and you're willing to actually own like the powerful version of you and not, and you're tired of acting like someone else, and you know that this is you, you really probably want to go back and listen to this whole, this whole thing again, because there are some things it's the, it's the framing, it's the scripting, and it's the way that we're actually, that, that allow us to choose uh, behaviors that are going to not just benefit us, but all of, all of mankind. And uh, I, I love that. Talk to us, talk to us about the, about the, the structured work you do. You're, you're someone who, who sees things, Hayden, and you're able to clarify and, 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 and put them into alignment uh, in a way that makes sense. You're a curriculum creator. You are a, you are a coach. You have these. So talk to us about like when, when you see something, how do you bring that into a way that is digestible to, um, to someone maybe who hasn't considered those things that you're, you're driving them through? Totally. So a couple of things that I'll share about this and more specifically, I'm going to share about the work that I do with my programs. The one-to-one coaching that I do tends to be a bit more open-ended. So usually the conversation starts around career transition, but we also normally incorporate a lot of other pieces of what they're up to, but it's a bit more open-ended than my programs are. So to your question on curriculum and designing that, creating it in a way that's effective, um, I think a big piece of just from the get-go enrolling people and having people understand what's in it for them to take part in a program is being very clear about the value that they're going to get and the benefit to them, how it's going to support them in solving their specific problems. So that's a big piece of when I'm thinking about designing a new program, it's what's the set of problems that I want to solve and how do I at the highest level when I am designing all of these pieces, how the curriculum flows, the different modules, the tools and activities and distinctions that we're going to take on, how do I make sure that I always bring it back to what's the core set of problems that I'm supporting these people in solving. Mm -hmm. From a more specific uh, curriculum design perspective, um, it's looking at the highest level. What are the core components of me teaching this uh, solution or this process of solving these problems? So I'm looking at like from the beginning, how do I set the context? How do I set the stage for here are the important components that you need to know that we're going to be using throughout the whole rest of the program. So this could be setting the landscape. This could be introducing at the highest level, hey, here's what this is going to look like over the next eight weeks. Here are the different things that we're going to go through. Here are the different verbs and uh, distinctions and uh, you know, different ways that we're going to talk about things. So actually setting the stage on the front end. What I typically find too with interpersonal development and these kinds of transformational or growth programs is you also want to be really clear after you set the stage with people of what's the cost of them staying where they're at. So you're generating awareness. You're having people take a look at where is this behavior coming up for them? Where is this thing uh, impacting the way that they're living their life? And you get them really clear on the cost. Here's the cost of you continuing to do this thing. Here's the cost in your relationships, in your money, in your business, in whatever else. Then when people are really clear on the cost of it, you wipe the slate clean And you take a look at what's the new way this could go or said another way, what's the possibility of this thing going differently with people pleasing behaviors, for example, 
If people are really clear on the cost of their people pleasing and you wipe the slate clean and you ask people, what does life look like if you can set boundaries, say no, and boldly ask for what you want? People are like, oh my God, it would be so different. Here's how it would be different in my relationships, in my money, in my, uh, the work that I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera. So after you get clear on the cost, you have people get clear on what's the opportunity? What's the possibility of this thing going differently? And what you realize is that there's a gap between the cost, where they are now, and the opportunity of where they want to go. And so you spend the rest of the time, the rest of the program, actually addressing that gap. So how do you give them tools and structures and distinctions and exercises for them to actually make the leap from where they are to where they want to be? And there's something to be said, too, from even a more uh, nitty-gritty granular perspective of how you give them different types of exercises, part of its journaling, part of its connecting with other people and talking about it, part of it's going out and practicing these behaviors or these actions or you know whatever it is. But you wanna give people as many opportunities as possible to connect with that uh, concept that's gonna help them close that gap. Um, and then at the end, you talk about what's, what, what are you gonna take on from here? What's gonna be the structure that you're gonna use? What's gonna be the thing that's gonna have you continually remember the work that we did the opportunity that you saw for yourself and have you consistently practicing closing that gap. So at the highest level, that's usually what it looks like. The focus of the program is gonna be different. Like I have a people pleasing program right now that runs through that exact structure. Yeah, give, us, yeah, um, give us an example of something that you, like, that you currently run and maybe like reverse engineer that for us real quickly. Totally. So with the people pleasing program, it's pretty similar to what I described. So in the beginning of this program, I'm really supporting people in understanding what are all the different ways that people pleasing comes up for you. And I give them examples and I have them take a look at like, where do you have trouble setting boundaries? Where do you have trouble taking care of yourself? Where do you stay in relationships that are toxic for you, but you're afraid to say no or reinvent those relationships? So I actually call it the, the people pleasing inventory, PPI. So you literally put together a PPI. It's a very clear understanding, almost like the landscape of like, here's how people pleasing runs my life. And that's usually a pretty revelatory experience for people because people don't realize how insidious a set of behaviors, you know, this is. So you get people clear on what's so. And then we start to take a look at what's possible after that. We design a vision. And we say, if you cleared all of the things from your PPI off the table and you totally recreated and reinvented your life, what does your vision for yourself look like? People are like, oh my God, I'd be so much bolder. I'd say no more consistently. I'd have relationships that would work for me and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then the rest of the program, we're literally going through in each of the modules, we're focusing on a particular behavior. We're focusing on closing the gap in a very particular area. So we've got a module on saying no. We have a module on setting boundaries. We have a module on well-being. We have a module on relationships. We have a module on authentic communication. How do you share what you're feeling um, in a way that's direct and bold and uh, in alignment with um, you and the relationships you know, that you want to build? Um, and then at the end, we tie it all together. We take a look at what's going to be the structure that's going to hold you accountable to remembering all the things that we talked about and have you continue this work and continue to close the gap. Love it. Dude, that's that's uh that's so good i i love the um like so where are you and and let's be clear on the pain of what it's causing you um where where could we be and then you've it's almost like a like a river and you've gone before them and laid the stones across the river to get to this other to the other side and you're and you're guiding them and holding their hands in the process exactly yeah that's and that's my work is i'm the guide 
And that's been a huge part of the, from a branding perspective, what I've been working on recently is I'm not the hero of this. I'm the guide of this. Mm -hmm. I've gone through this and I'm simply sharing my lessons in a way that other people can try it on uh, for size, see if it works and then have the same benefit that I did. Yeah. And uh, sounds like you're referring to uh, story branding with uh, Anna Miller, big believer. I've given that book out uh, probably at least 20 times. There's no question. It's a must read for those of you who have not read or listened uh, to that one. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, this is, this is a personal selfish thing. So I'm, I'm more of a, I've been, so I went from classroom teacher. So all of these, then I went to an army of one. So where I was selling, and then I went to trainer with, with, with this group of people. And then I went back to so like the past for a while of my life, I've only, I've worked mainly with, with one-on-one scenarios. So, but I have a couple of group scenarios now that have, that have come out. And the teacher in me says there are different modalities that are going to cause this thing to stick. I understand the value, like definitely accountability. Definitely, like the biggest thing for me is creating an experience where people, uh, they're not just learning. I feel like knowledge is cheap. I feel like you can go to YouTube and get knowledge. You can listen to this podcast. It's free, right? You get knowledge. Knowledge is cheap. And it can set you free and it can move you towards a course of action. The value is in experiencing that knowledge. The value is in like uh, allowing it to um, to create something new inside. Like there's a there's a chemical reaction that's happening from that. And um, how, like how do you make sure that? So I heard some like I heard journaling, I heard uh, accountability, I heard like so like for you to and again not that it's your job to go out there and pick up the hammer and swing it because you're the guide, not the, not the hero. Mm -hmm. what, what are, what are the ways that you give for these things to remain in your, in your people or to be experienced by your people? Totally. So there's a concept that I've been working on. Um, I'm calling it transformational staying power, but it's the idea that if you're going to go through this kind of curriculum or this kind of program, what are the different components that you need to make sure are in place from an architectural perspective to increase the likelihood that people get what they came for, they understand the topics in a deep way, and the transformation stays afterwards. So it's not just a nice concept. It's something that genuinely makes a difference for people. Mm -hmm. So and a couple things. Just yeah. one second, because I'm going to say, for those of you who are in leadership and you have people who you are moving through a scenario, listen up. All right, so back to you, Hayden. So a couple of things that I'll share at a high level. There's a lot that I could say about this, but I think one of the most important is understanding that unless people feel psychologically safe in a space, they will not let their guard down and you cannot make that much of a difference for them. Because when someone's guard is up, nothing's gonna get through the guard. True learning and transformation requires vulnerability. It requires being in the unknown. It requires stepping out and showing your squishy sides. And unless you feel like you're in a space or in a container where you can do that, the concepts that are being taught won't be as effective. They won't go as deeply and they won't be as impactful. So I'm super clear with people from the front end of the program. How do I set up the context and how do I create and architect this experience in a way that has people feel as psychologically safe as possible? 
Part of that's me. How do I show up in the space? How do I introduce myself? Part of that is what are the activities that I'm asking them to do on the front end? Part of it is how do, what are the stated uh, rules of the container? And having everyone buy into and sign their name on the contract that says, I will abide by these rules. So it's all of those different pieces are really important from a letting, letting your guard down and actually letting the transformation in or letting the curriculum make a difference for you. That's a big piece. One of the other big pieces is, I like to think about it is if you're trying to plant seeds, because that's what we're doing as teachers in curriculum, we're planting seeds in, in people's brains. I can't uh, force you to water it. I can't force you to take care of it, but I can plant the seed. And what happens a lot of times is people will try and plant as many seeds as possible. So they grab a big handful of seeds and they toss a bunch of seeds out. But what is going to happen is they're all sitting on the surface of the dirt. Wind's going to take it. Birds are going to come take it. Likely not going to actually make a difference in root and start to grow. So instead, I encourage people to think about you want to take one seed. What's the core idea of this curriculum or this particular piece that you want to teach? And you want to push it as deeply as possible as you can into the dirt. It just makes it that much more likely that it's going to stay and makes it that much more likely that it's going to root and grow and flower and it's going to make a difference for that person. So part of that is making sure that the information that you're sharing is very direct. You're not overloading people with the amount of information that you're giving them. You're very clear about the core concept you want them to get, and you're having them work with it in as many ways as possible. So part of that is hearing it. Part of that is writing it. Part of that is working with going through a uh, role play, so to speak. Part of that is discussing it. Part of that is looking at how would things be different if I put this and actually took this to heart and, and use this in my everyday life. Part of it's uh, practices, meditations, uh, sharing with the class. Like there's all these different ways that you can have someone work with that core concept, but the, the more that they work with it, the deeper it's gonna go, the more likely it is that it's actually gonna take root and that transformation is actually gonna last. Mm. Aiden Humphrey, you just changed my life, my friend. Uh, that, was, that one was for me. And thank you for it. It's very welcome. Well, man, um, our our time here has has come to an end. Obviously, I think you you might be someone we want to bring back. But um, and for those who are um, also listening to the other podcast, the Do Happy Podcast, we're mm -hmm. absolutely going to have uh, Hayden on. We're going to talk a little bit about his personal journey and and some of the things that he's seen. Really, love it. You like the philosophy side of where he's going. Um, uh, we're going to get ooey and gooey. On that Love one. it. We'll, uh, we'll definitely make time and space for that one. But Hayden, tell us where we can find you, man. Tell us how we can engage with you. If there are people who are also like your message is resonating with, and I know that's a lot of people, um, where can we find you, dude? Yeah. Easiest place is my website, HaydenUmphrey.com. Check it out. Let me know. I'm also super active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So uh, LinkedIn, just look up Hayden Humphrey. Instagram, my handle's Hayden as himself. Love it. My friend, thank you for empowering us today. And, um, and we, will, we will catch you absolutely later. And for those of you in the audience, again, listen, if you can sell, if you can lead from anywhere, you can do it from everywhere. Your talent is not limited to your zip code. And um, boy, if you're a nice guy, nice gal, you just you, you just grew a little bit bigger today. Awesome.
Thanks so much for having me on, Donnie.